Welcome to Six in the Mix. Yo, when this flock comes to talk, pull a chair and prepare. We have six in the mix. When we speak, it's unique. Varied views, no excuse for the news to be void of some fun and the truth. Word. We are a band of brothers who met and bonded in college. After starting families and branching out across the United States, we are coming back together to strengthen our relationships through the podcast platform. We call ourselves Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. Today, we discuss the Supreme Court's decision to allow casinos to operate, but not churches. We're also going to talk about John MacArthur's church and publicly define the governor's order. We're going to have, as always, Six in the Mix trivia, Ben's feel-good story of the week, Ryan's calling your shot, and as always, we'll close with a devotional thought in Fix Your Eyes. We'll turn it over to Ryan to share a little bit about himself and his family. My name is Ryan. I live in Southern Minnesota. I am married to my wife of 15 years. So we celebrated our anniversary this past month, which was great, even though we had to do some outdoor dining because of COVID-19. We've got two girls, 10-year-old and soon-to-be 13-year-old girl. Got a dog, a golden doodle, who is about two and a half years old, still in the baby stage of life. So that's entertaining. As far as work goes, I work in education operations in student affairs, and I've been with my organization for about five and a half years. Prior to that, I spent 11 years as a Christian school teacher, uh, teaching subjects like math, Bible, and history. And I coached several sports there as well and served as athletic director. So those were fun years. In 2013, I finished my graduate degree in education administration, uh, which has helped propel me to my current position. And in my spare time, I enjoy time with my wife and girls. Uh, I enjoy time at my church. Sports and competition have always been a big part of my life as well, as my friends here can testify. And now that I'm getting older and not as active with some of the sports as I used to be, I have found that my competitive nature is still able to come out in word games and fantasy sports. So those are some nice outlets for me. Just grateful for the family and friends the Lord has given to me. And I did want to share a couple of last things here about myself. A fun fact, since I am competitive, I played baseball and basketball in high school. And of course, for any guy's goal in high school, their goal is to get to state. And we never got too close to state with my teams. But the closest I came to state was actually in a competitive field called Knowledge Bowl. So in the regional round of 60 teams, we got eighth place out of 60 in South Central Minnesota. And that was two or three spots away from getting the ticket to state. And I'm seeing that with our podcast buddies here. Uh, I'm being tortured for trivia answers every week now. So um, it's kind of a it's kind of a bad deal. But those were good memories when it came to trivia. But I just missed my opportunity to get to state competition and knowledgeable. My life verse is John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes not, but for to kill, steal, and destroy, I am come that they might have life and life more abundantly. So that's John 10, 9, and 10. Right. I had a question for you. Go ahead, Don. So part of this nerd bowl thing, what were the questions <laughs> that were asked at nerd bowl? It's, it's interesting that you even know the nickname of knowledge bowl, Don. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. But And that's a very good question. A variety of questions. It's, I mean, every topic you can think of, you'd come across in a, in a class in high school. So history, math, science, English, literature, 
And what you would do is you'd have a team of four at a table in a room against two other schools, teams of four. And you have a strip going down the middle of the table and you buzz in and uh, you, you answer. And that's how you get points. So... Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and we we came close to to getting to state, but fell just short. Any other questions? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Oh, to be a fly on the wall, <laughs> that would have been great. Oh, it was it was great. Yeah, I, I look back, I miss baseball and basketball, but I also miss nerd ball quite a bit. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you, Don. So we'll transition over now to our calling your shot for this week. So, so far we we've had a couple of these segments and we don't have results in yet to be, to be shared because these events are far off. One, one dealt with our beloved Minnesota twins. The other one dealt with, will president Trump be reelected in November today? As we look out just over a month from now, the NFL schedule We'll, we'll crank up. I think September 10th is the first game of the regular season. And the question we, we want to answer today is, will the NFL get in a full season in the face of the plague? And so with that, I will just go around to these gents here and get your answers and record them with my top secret ink here. So we'll start with Jeremy. Jeremy, will the NFL get in a full season? And when I say full, I, I I will, I'll even say Super Bowl, right? I mean, what's the season without yeah, a Super 16 Bowl? 16 games in the Super Bowl, right? The whole thing. And I'm going right. to say no. 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 And, and okay. I just, I, I can't, I can't see that happening with the, with all the things that are taking place, the interruptions in baseball that we're seeing and other things. I, I just, I think there's going to be something that comes in and throws a hitch into it. I don't think every team is going to play every game. And I think there's going to be problems. All right. We got your answer locked in. Donnie. I'm going to say yes, that it will be completed. There seems to be a double standard going on in this world with uh, with what we're able to allow to do and what we can't do. And quite frankly, I'm getting tired of it. But uh, I think that the NFL has too much money to lose to not play the entire season. I think that uh, they're going to they're going to figure out some way they're going to play their little bubble game and say, we can't, we have to play all the teams are in a bubble or whatever that means. So they're, they're going to, they're going to finish the season. Got it. Don is a yes. Matt. Yeah, I'm a yes as well. And there's two reasons why. Number one, I think I agree with Don. They, out of any sports, any of the major sports have the most money to lose by not playing. Uh, secondly, they've had they've had actually the good fortune just from a timing perspective to probably learn the most before any of their activities uh, you know kicked off. So they, they they've learned from all the other sports. MLB they're going to learn from that, and they they will find a way. Yeah, there's too much money on the table that they probably already lost with things that they've had to cancel, and uh, the owners with uh, limited. People in the stands, they need that TV revenue. They need interest. Uh, the show will go on. Thank you, Celine Dion. That was very, very gripping. <laughs> All right. I got you down, Matt, for a yes. Ben, how about you? So just to make sure I'm reading this right, the, we are saying, will the NFL play a full 16-game season plus playoffs to the Super Bowl? You got and it. So that's definitely not going to happen. Uh, wow. Put mine with an exclamation point, please. There's, I think we've seen the way Major League Baseball started out. We've already had games canceled, and the NFL is looking at a similar model where everybody's going to play in their home stadium, and that roster is a lot bigger than a baseball roster. There's just no way enough of those players are going to 
follow the rules to be careful and you're going to have outbreaks during the season and they're going to have to modify the schedule on the way through. I think, I think they'll get to a Super Bowl, but they're not going to get 16 regular season games in and, and playoffs. I just don't think, and you've already got players opting out. You've got, I, I just think I, I don't see them playing, getting in a full season. Okay. Ben is a no. We've got two no's, two yeses. We're down one of our podcast buddies. So the deciding vote is in my lap and I am going to say no. It will not be a full season playoffs and Super Bowl because it's too close of contact. And unless they come up with a way where they can still breathe really well and run really hard without getting other people sick, I don't see how it's going to happen. So I'm going to say no and side with Jeremy and Ben on this one. But I sure hope they do. So just let, let me offer a clarifying question. So if one game is canceled and they only play 15 games, that means you three win. That's how I understood it. I'm cool. I'm st- I'm sticking where I'm at. Money talks, baby. Yeah, Chalk they, me and Don down for a W. It does. It does. And I, I've heard people from the get-go of this pandemic say football is definitely happening because of that specific reason and just how big people say it really is our national sport and TV's got to have it, owners got to have it. But boy, oh boy, we are being very sensitive with this virus, rightfully so. It it can be deadly. Uh, And we've seen in the major leagues just recently how quickly things shut down. And last time I checked, football is a little bit more close contact than baseball. Yeah, and you're not going to tell those wide receivers to stay home. They're going out to the clubs. They're going to do what they're going to do. There's no way they're all going to pay attention and and be careful. They're going to spread it around like wildfire. Yeah, Yeah, come on. I mean, if we wear masks, we're going to be okay. That's what we were told, right? So I agreed. I, I'm curious. You guys think that there's going to be some type of bubble system, though? You think that's going to happen where no fans, nothing allowed, or it's going to be uh, drastically reduced? Limited fans. I think I think there's still a good well over a month to learn from MLB and they will make the changes necessary to keep it to keep it going, both from a player personnel like restrictions like, you know, here's your proctor that's going to make sure you don't go clubbing and they may play uh, four host cities. Who knows? Uh, they will do whatever it takes to the best of their you know, ultimately could it get shut down yeah um they're gonna do everything they can to make sure it goes it goes off because there's so much money to to gain so should be fun should be fun all righty well, let's jump into some more entertaining topics uh we have our supreme court god bless the supreme court it's a fantastic portion of our government you know that again all these all these areas of, of the government are checks and balances but the supreme court recently okayed casinos to be open obviously with some restrictions but would not lift the restriction on churches. Your thoughts? Well, I'd add a little more clarifying info there. So I, cause I looked up a bit about what Nevada is doing. They are allowing all those other segments of business to open at 50% capacity, but church services, especially indoors, no matter how big the facility is, they can only have 50 people in the service. Mm. So if 50% capacity, you know, maybe is a couple hundred people, they still can only have 50 in the door. Anyway, just a little more clarifying info on what happened in Nevada, but it seems like poor judgment to me to put that sort of special limiter on places of worship, but everybody else can go at 50% capacity, do their regular business more freely than a church can. No, that's good. That's good feedback, Ben. Did they give a reason why 
the churches weren't lumped in with the rest of the businesses? I couldn't find one. I was just reading through the Nevada Roadmap to Recovery for Nevada. And so it has all the guidelines for all the different types of business. But the only one I could find on the list with that limit of just 50 people, regardless of the size, was places of worship. Wow. So we're talking restaurants, bars, gyms, casinos. I mean, all those can operate at uh, 50% capacity and not have a cap. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't make any sense to me. In Minnesota, several of the outbreak locations have been directly connected to indoor bar service because people are in there without a mask, close together. You know, a lot of the things that the medical experts are saying are higher risk situations they're doing there. And you know, they weren't even giving churches the opportunity to say, okay, we'll distance, we'll mask, we'll do the preventions, let's have a higher capacity and they, they won't let it happen. You know, I watched a congressional meeting where Jim Jordan was questioning Fauci about the protests and about churches. And he said, you know, or, or in business as well, you you have these protests, everybody's around close proximity, some are wearing masks, some are not, but regardless, there's thousands of people. And then right next door, there's several people in worshiping and they aren't allowed to do that because, and Jordan's, you know, statement was why? Why, why have we placed limits on this? Why has the government told us or, or brought these mandates to some of these things? And Fauci's response was simply, hey, I can't, I can just tell you that it's tr- transmitted by large crowds. But he would not declare that a protest was a large cloud, a crowd. He would not say that. And I think the discrepancy, and I think, Don, you said it best, there's, you know, there's two, there's two tracks here that people are seeing and it, they don't match up. I think it's crazy that uh, complete, complete control is over this and we're limiting faith uh, and the meetings there. But when it comes to something else, you know, hey, you guys got full, full blessing to our limits and means a lot more people than what can be in a church. I, I just think it's bad. And I find it to be that that to me is the case in Nevada. I think other states out there, like in Minnesota, for example, it's pretty consistent policy right now. Everybody has a capacity on percentage based on the capacity of their building. And then they have the indoor facilities. You have to wear a mask while you're indoors, but they're doing the same for everybody. So I feel to me in Minnesota, they're making an effort to follow what the medical professionals are telling us and find a way to do that, but still have at least the ability to do some of our regular activities, church, restaurants, etc. But Nevada seems to me, it's it's the con- lack of consistency with it is what bothers me the most about what Nevada is doing. In Minnesota, there is a cap of how many people can go to a church still. I mean, it could be 50%, but the maximum is a little bit larger compared to California, Nevada. It's at set at 250. So a right, church but, that's the, but that's the same across all industries. So you're saying, so you're okay with a church of a thousand people. Well, we're looking at our, one of our mega churches out here. They, where they can house 400 people and follow the guidelines, but are still should only have, you know, a max of 250. I'm okay with that. Me personally, I'm okay with that. The way our church has approached it, we are going to honor God in three ways. We are going to honor our local government. We're going to, uh, we're going to honor our medical experts and we're going to honor each other. 
So that's why we are following the guidelines of Minnesota. That's why we are masking when we go in and following social distancing and trying to do things carefully the way that our medical professionals are telling us. And we're honoring each other by doing that same thing because we are trying to protect the more vulnerable amongst our congregants by following that advice. And for me, I feel I feel good about that. I'm comfortable with that situation. You know, when they try to, and we'll talk about this a little bit when we get into the California scenario, you know, they're, they're trying to compare that to a closed off country where religious freedom is against the law. To me, this is a different set of circumstances. They are doing this from a medical mindset. They're not saying Christianity is wrong. They're not shutting down websites. They're not stopping live streaming. They're not even stopping outdoor church. Like in Nevada, they could have more people if they did it outside. You know, it's it's hot in Nevada this time of year, sure. But I mean, there's ways you can do it. They're just asking them, let's not do the things that are so far, the research shows us they're a higher risk environment to go together 60, 90 minutes long, no mask, no social distancing. You're creating a recipe for trouble. Yeah, I just I just want to add, I I think the Supreme Court justices themselves said it best in this case with uh, with Nevada. First, you've got Justice uh, Samuel Alito. Last time I checked, the primary point of the Supreme Court is to make sure what's happening in our country is checking with our Constitution. So he says, this is Samuel Alito, the Constitution guarantees the free exercise of religion. That would be our First Amendment. But it says nothing about the freedom to play craps or blackjack. So that's pretty accurate. And then we've got Neil Gorsuch, who said, the world we inhabit today with a pandemic upon us possesses unusual challenges, but there is no world in which the Constitution permits Nevada to favor Caesar's palace over Calvary Chapel. For me, with our chief justice, who was appointed by George W. Bush as a conservative chief justice, he has let conservatives down time and time again. And here is another case in point where this should be a black and white issue, and it's not. And we can thank our our chief justice for that, unfortunately. I wonder, kind of linking back to the NFL, uh, you take a look in Nevada and the money that the casinos roll in, if that played any type of factor. And, you know, obviously there's there's lobbyists, there's lawmakers, there's people who are funneling money to get the right decision. So the, you know, the stakeholders, the shareholders make their money. I I wonder what role that played in, because the state of Nevada is obviously not making any money on churches, but they're making bank on casinos. And from a risk side, I, you know, I, I hear you, Ben, on the risk from a church, but how many people go to Las Vegas for the weekend and, and come in and out and they're dropping in whatever they came, no matter what state it is? Yeah, I would say there's an equal risk with the casino, but just from a money side, they are two drastically different impacts for the state. I would suggest that this, it just proves again that this whole thing is much more complicated than just a one easy answer. Facts dispel all the information to give everybody a clear path forward. It makes it difficult and it creates division and divisiveness in our nation, within our states, within people, within friends, within families. It's not just, it's not just, you know, one big thing that everybody's against or everybody's for. There's, there's fractions all over the place. And again, showing my frustration of this whole, this whole pandemic and how 
awful it has been for the American people and for those of us sitting here talking to go through with our families. There was there was another topic that links closely with this out in California. Uh, John MacArthur and his Grace Community Church uh, very publicly defied the governor's orders and says we will or they said we will open back up. Uh, we will not have restrictions. You know, come one, come all. We're, we're going to open back up and we're going to worship. I think he was on Fox News and they had a videos and they've, you know, he's taken some heat from that. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on a pretty well-known, you know, probably one of the most well-known Christian statesmen of our day making this very public, we're going to worship and we're going to do it, you know, how we want to do it. Jeremy, you were actually in college. You were one of the people, I think, that got me familiar with MacArthur. Is that right? Were you talking about John MacArthur back around 1998, maybe? Yeah. I mean, I think I think it was more, more because my sister attended the college there that we had connections there. And so we went, we went and visited the, the master's college um, where she attended and so did my other sister as well. So yeah, I mean, he definitely has a, a personality and I haven't read much of the story and I haven't really dug deep into things, but my first initial response was, okay, good. He's taking a stand and standing up for something that is being taken away from them or a right that is being taken away from all Californians. And my initial thought was he's going to, it's going to take one to lead and to to make sure that uh, the rights of those who believe in God in going to church and that that right is is given to us and should not be taken away from the government. I thought he was standing up for specifically that and that alone. And maybe maybe there are other things that come in uh, to that as as we've kind of talked about uh, off air here. But that's what it was and that's what it is. California's governor is doing something to try and take that away. Um, should we as churches stand up and go against them? I think again depending on what the circumstances are and if we can peaceably do that. First Peter talks about peaceably dealing with politics and the kings and those who are in authority over us, the leadership that's in authority over us. Where is that line? How, how do you decide that? And in California, is it to that level yet? He obviously thinks it is. Yeah, this one bugs me more. And the Nevada one, I, I can certainly understand where the church is coming from. And I appreciate their perspective on it when they're being unfair, in my opinion, being unfairly discriminated as a segment of industry or segment of the business out there. Uh, not They're having more restrictive measures put on them. But in California, they are closing all of those types of businesses in the counties where the numbers are high. And so places of worship is on that list restaurants, bars, fitness centers, entertainment centers, all those things are also being asked to close where the numbers are high and it's county by county. So I tried to look a little more today into what Grace Church is doing from a guidelines perspective. Were they trying to do anything to be careful or protect their congregants? And they're not. They are 3,500 person capacity. They can have every seat full at all of their services. They are not doing any masking. They are singing as a congregation while they're in the auditorium. And at least the medical professionals that I have tried to follow through this, the results are coming back more consistently that some of those things that Grace Community Church has decided they're they're not going to follow anymore. Those are things that can really help reduce the risk 
for people. So this one, bu- this one bugs me from the stance that John MacArthur's taking because there are other ways. There are ways to worship, and again, you can you could have this worship outside, and you could, it, it's hot again. It's California. It's hot. I understand that. Again, they're not closing down their website. They're not closing down their live stream. They're not closing down ways where they can still be a congregation, be a church, and there's ways you can do it and still follow the policy. And so I, I don't. I, I see this as a more consistent enforcement of the policy that California is trying to do. They're not singling out places of worship as having a more restrictive policy. So I, I would be more in line with trying to understand the medical advice and follow the medical advice for the sake of all those who are in your congregation. Ben, are you are you advising that Grace Community Church should obey the government's orders to not hold services at this point? Or are you saying they should take more safety precautions and have some type of service? To me, they would have more of a foundation to stand on if they were following some guidelines of some type, trying to be a little more careful about the people that are coming into their church. Because the way they're doing it right now, there's got to be media members just waiting to see when this outbreak is going to happen in this church. And then they're all just going to point their finger at them. And I, I would remind all of us, the world and the unsaved world, they're watching us as Christians. How are we responding? What are we doing? Is our civil liberty going to be placed above our love for one another? And that's a difficult balance to strike because it is important to hold to our Christian values. I firmly believe that. But I also believe that we need to be a good witness in this world to make the Christian faith look attractive to people. And if we, and it, so it's tough. Are you being bold and brave in the name of God and Christianity? Or are you being negligent and not caring for the people around you, both the Christian and non-Christian in your community? And to me, that's the question you need to answer here is, you know, again, I think it is a balance you have to strike. There's a place that you got to find comfort in, but the world's watching us. How, How are we responding? And are we just ignoring science? You know, there's a Enough argument against from the secular world with Christians about they're ignoring science. I mean, we all firmly believe in the creation of the world, right? I mean, there's things where they try to argue with us already, but what in this kind of situation where there's more consistent science coming out about these are the ways to try to minimize risk, why are we just laughing in the face of that and, and saying we're doing it in the name of of following God and being bold in what God's calling us to do. I think that's going too far. And since Matt talked about his appearance, uh, MacArthur's appearance on Fox News earlier this week, I was really looking forward to that. And I did watch it because I, to to me, Tucker Carlson is is one of the top-notch political commentators we have in the country today. He he isn't so much partisan as I think uh, he's got some conservative principles. So I, I appreciate that about him. And for me, John MacArthur is one of, as Matt said, one of the top Christian statesmen and theologians, intellects in the in the world. And so I appreciate the fact that about 80 years old, he's still out there defending the gospel. So to me, when I watched the interview, I was disappointed that it only lasted about two and a half minutes. And I believe it was one question by Carlson answered by MacArthur. And sadly, I was disappointed in MacArthur's answer. 
because he said, we we had a full house. That's probably something I would not be saying nationally based upon what we know about this disease and how it spreads. But then he exacerbated it by saying, and we were our people were hugging each other and we were singing. And I'm just going, we know those are not good things at this point in time in history. I was really hoping he would get on and say, because of the First Amendment, which he did cite, we have the First Amendment and we are also, as believers, commanded to meet. You can argue virtually might be acceptable in these days. I don't know the final word on that. But we, at the same time, taking those two ideas of the First Amendment, we are commanded to meet. I was then hoping he'd bring it home with saying the gospel is essential. You talk about all these non-essential things that get closed down. This is an essential message we have. And so we're going to play this out. So I wish he would have brought that in. He did not. I wish he would have said, here are the safety precautions we're taking at Grace. I did hear in follow-up interviews with MacArthur, or he kind of just gave an update. He he did say, Ben, that they are going to have outdoor options for people who want to come. They do have online options for those who who just feel more comfortable. They've got risks. But he made the point that 99.99% of the people are surviving this disease. And to him, that's not a, a big issue. He then made a point, which I also appreciate, that abortion is essential and they're still open and they're killing 365 babies a day in California. Now, that's also a very important point. So where do I fall on it? I say, if you're called to open, open, but do it wisely. Show the world that we, we are called to meet. We are guaranteed this in the First Amendment, but we are going to spread out. Maybe we're not going to sing. We're going to wear masks. We're going to we're going to do the best we can in the, in the circumstance. So that's what I would hope they would do. That's similar to what our church is doing right now. Is is MacArthur just seeing this as kind of a, a slow takeover? And he's finally saying right now, OK, I'm going to I'm, I'm drawing the line in the sand where it's not going to come further. Well, I was going to mention, I thought, Ryan, he did argue it, maybe not explicitly like you would have thought, but he was challenging in this environment where people are scared and fearful, the ability for their their church specifically, what he was saying, to reach and to connect with those people was was extremely limited. He said he couldn't go to the bedside of, of those folks who are dying. He's on the phone. He's, you know, people aren't able to come in. And, you know, I think he cited depression and, and anxiety and fear as reasons why they're going to open open, but I believe, you know, the risk reward is just, uh, that's, that's, that's tough dice to play, you know, linking back to the casinos, like he's rolling some significant dice here. Because if somebody does, you know, I would challenge him, you know, how are you going to speak to the family when you so, you know, in a, such a cavalier way said, we're going to open up and we're going to sing and we're going to hug. And I, God forbid, it leads to the death of 10, 20, a hundred people as a result, tied right back you know, the contact tracing all leads back to Grace Church. That that would be a really tough one to swallow. So I'll throw a little history at you here. I found this quote from Martin Luther back when the plague was rolling around during his lifetime. And I liked it a lot. I thought it applied to this topic. So I'll just read it if everybody can bear with me for a minute here. It says, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me, and I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others." If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God. 
So I think to me, the way I interpret that is when we need to go and help our neighbor and, and God calls us to do that, Luther was willing and ready and able to do that because he knew that's where God wanted him to go, but he wasn't going to do things that were negligent or foolhardy. And I just think, to me, this smacks of being foolhardy. Ben, you need to email John MacArthur tonight (laughs) and share with him that story. You know why? Because I believe on Tucker Carlson, he hearkened back to, hey, we were protesting 500 years ago at the Protestant Reformation. And so it'd be it'd be a good challenge back to him to say, hey, let's let's see one of the founding fathers of the Protestant Reformation and and his assessment during a uh, pandemic and his approach, you know, more from a let's serve others as opposed to we'll take a stand and we'll do what we want to do type thing. Yeah, it just it's it's tough to reconcile their approach fully as far as just we'll hug, we'll sing. Yeah, we'll we'll fill it up because I think I think, you know, there's pictures you can see and there's yeah from a social distancing side. It, yeah. You know, to be fair, John, John MacArthur's church is not the only church out there that's doing that in California. There are many other churches that are taking the same approach. So I guess that leads me to to another question. You know, what other what other things are, are causing this, you know, under outliers that we're, we don't know about that that are not in the media, that are that that's the current out there that they feel that we don't. I think we need to be careful just because of those things. I'm not suggesting that, you know, Johnny Max Church is doing it right and everybody should follow that. At the same side, I do appreciate his boldness to be able to stand up in times like this because what's the next step if they take something else away from our faith? If they if they shut things down, they start to take and infringe on the websites or the viewing or those types of things or, or meeting it to church uh, church altogether. Uh, I think that does cross the line, and I would stand with him uh, in 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 those kinds of situations. There's always going to be a first person to stand. There's always going to be a first person to say that. And even even with some of the things that he has done, you know, I I guess I would give a little bit of grace, not knowing all the details. But Ben, I do appreciate your thoughts and your approach, which I agree with. You know, Wisconsin just got hit with the mask mandate and our governor put another uh, emergency order in, public uh, health safety order in. And so everybody has to wear a mask now, regardless of where you're at, uh, except at home and those kinds of things. Uh, so today was the really the first day that we had seen a lot of that in our church. And it was it was odd. It was weird. It was different. But I chose as, as part of leadership to do that because I don't want to be on the side of, well, you didn't do it and you are showing a bad example. And it wasn't, the mask really had nothing to do with me. (laughs) If you ask me right now, I would not wear it. I would not wear it. But I found it wise to do it for others. So I think you're right. Wisdom, much wisdom is needed. And you know what? In Proverbs, it says that God reserves wisdom for the upright man. And I think those who are upright, those who are righteous, those those contending, Ryan, for the gospel <laughs> need much wisdom. And when do we stand up? When is that uh, going to take place? 
I think there are more churches if things continue like this and more pastors, more leaders that are going to have to to eventually stand up when when other things are taken from us. I'm not speaking just of COVID. I'm talking about our religious liberty and when the cause of the gospel is ha- has to be stopped by some larger organization, then that's when we must step up and step through that because that disobeys God. And so the time will come. It's going to come. It's just a matter of when. You know, I think it's easy for us to sit back and kind of armchair quarterback this, uh, you know, John MacArthur's stance to be able to do this. But let's not forget something. When this originally happened, you know, I think it was back in June or beginning of June when this court order came through, the governor said that he would limit religious gatherings to 25% of building capacity or 100 people, whichever is fewer. Now we have another mandate from a governor in Nevada that says, no, we're going to do that. We're going to 50, you know, no more than 50 people. I think the first time that that uh, mandate in California went through, it was a mistake. And now seeing it a second time in Nevada, it's a pattern now. And that's what scares me. We're starting to see a pattern where we are seeing churches being limited on how they can put out the gospel. Now, granted, it's unbelievable how the gospel has flourished in this pandemic by way of, of, of YouTube, uh, Facebook, live, live, you know, live streaming, all that good stuff. It's unbelievable. Right. And we all think, well, that's, I mean, that's, 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 that's the gospel, right? That's the gospel going, getting, getting out no matter what the cost. Right. But here we have government once again, starting to do a little bit of a pattern here. And that's what really worries me. And where I don't really think that uh, MacArthur taking this stand, you know, yeah, maybe he could have said some things or did some things differently. You know, we see this, we see the picture of him in his church and all these people gathered together worshiping. And we think, yeah, could he have done some things? Yeah. Yeah, probably. At what point are we as Christians just supposed to let happen? I'm getting tired of it. And I don't want to be, I've just been really getting fired up, I guess, over the weekend this week and seeing all that's been going on and how we're just supposed to love each other, step back, turn the other cheek when things like this happen. You know, if you, if you stand up for the, for the national anthem, you're vilified now. And I think as, as Christians, you know, I think MacArthur, like like Jeremy said, it, you know, it takes one person to stand up and, and lead. I mean, I don't know if that's his, his, uh, you know, his, his agenda. I don't know what it is. I think he's tired of it too. And I'm just getting nervous at, at what I'm seeing here in the world and where this is going. Like I said, first time it was a mistake. The second time it's starting to be a pattern. You know, my, my, my thought goes right back to scripture. If you read Peter's letters, he's an old man when he's writing, he is saying, look, trials are going to come. They're eminent. There's false teaching. There's all these doctrinal issues. There are all these things that are going to interfere with the gospel. Stand firm. Be wise. Be prudent. John, old man, writes his three letters as well. And and, John MacArthur? No, no, no. I'm (laughs) talking. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. John Mack. John writes in the letters and he's same thing. It's it's like, and he's in the end of his days as well. I look a little bit at John MacArthur, Ryan, and say, this guy's, this guy's old. He's been through it. He has seen his entire life, 
all of these things. And what he's, what he's, I think what he's trying to do is put forth a very clear message that this, this has got to stop. And if it continues to go, like Don said, it, it could get out of control very quickly. And then we're in a place that we're stuck. We're in trouble uh, as a church. So do I agree with everything? I don't think so with, with what John did, but, um, is there uh, is there a time and place where this is going to have have to stop our government? We're going to have to stand up against that. Uh, maybe not this pandemic, but you know that something else is going to come down the line. It's going to come down maybe in our lifetime and in our kids' lifetime. So learn from learn from our mistakes. Learn from the things that we are doing. And so I take a little of Don and a little of Ben and say, okay, I'm I'm somewhere in the middle of you two, uh, probably. Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, there is a little history I want to share with you when it comes to MacArthur and Newsom. So I mentioned that Jeremy was one of the first people that mentioned MacArthur to me back 22 years ago. I wasn't too familiar with him at that point in time. But as I started watching YouTube videos in the last decade or so and, and seeing more about MacArthur, one thing that I've really come to love about him and appreciate is his stance to stance. He, he, he fights for truth, and that's that's just what he's always done. And one of the interesting clips from YouTube, if you all have not seen this before, I, I recommend looking it up. He actually is going toe-to-toe with Gavin Newsom, mayor that time mayor of San Francisco. And the issue was regarding gay marriage, I believe. And Newsom had referenced the fact he was a Catholic. And so MacArthur took that and said, well, you mentioned you're a Catholic, so what does God have to say about it? right? Because Catholics will look to the Bible as their authority for, for truth. And so it kind of, it kind of crossed Newsom up. So there, there is kind of an interesting history here between these two guys and uh, the, the, the look on Newsom's face. I, I, I do encourage you to find that video. He just like, <laughs> just gets this look out his face. Like, okay, MacArthur, I think you're a joker, but he, he did. He just, you, you can't, you can't try to get the truth past MacArthur. It, it's tough to do uh, whether, whether his approach this time around was, was spot on. Uh, maybe, maybe the five of us have different approaches and how we would have handled it. But I, I love the fact that he, he stands for truth. That's fantastic. It was uh, it was good to hear a wide ranging, multiple views on this topic. I think hopefully iron sharpens iron, and uh, we did that in this. And good things to discuss. Uh, good challenges coming down the pike uh, for sure. So good good stuff there. Let's move into uh, six in the mix trivia. We got two questions tonight. We're going to start off the musical one, be the last one. So again, your name is your buzzer, and uh, the first question is a Bible question. Here it is. What was the name of the first tool maker in the Bible? Ryan. Yes, Ryan. Tubal Cain. That is correct. <laughs> what did he what did he make? What tools did he make? I don't think it was a hammer and sickle. <laughs> <laughs> Believe he was a blacksmith. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. Who is Tublicate? I never even heard of this clown. <laughs> it will on YouTube. You should watch this video. <laughs> we can get a John MacArthur Bible, Don. Right, yeah, I got one. Start on page number one. <laughs> I got John MacArthur's Not Bible. Not too far along, you'll you'll run into Tublicate with his hammer and sickle. When was this? In Genesis? Where? Where is this? I want to know. Was it before Noah? <laughs> yes. It was. I think it was. You're looking probably Genesis what three or four. 
I think when it starts listing some of the descendants of Adam and Eve, you know, Adam and Eve's sons and and what they did, it's uh, three, four, five ish. So you're telling me Adam never crafted a tool to help put up his hut or do something. Well, he probably got his uh, his grandson going in the business, but he didn't take no credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> he took he took credit for naming the animals. <laughs> Oh. He was he was more of a seamstress, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, right. Yo, boy, sewing those fig leaves together. The name that yeah. came to me was Nimrod, but he was the mighty hunter, right? He was he was the mighty hunter, I think. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I I guess maybe we'll have to have like a guest trivia as well. So I, I won't do this every week. We'll, have, we'll we'll give it over to Jeremy at one time. We'll we'll do that. All right, good stuff. Tubal Cain. Uh, it's a, just a good reminder to read your Bibles. Okay. <laughs> especially, especially early Genesis with all those names. <laughs> right. So what does it say? Yeah, I, I'm cool. interested to know. What does it say? Is that Tublicade, the, the first guy to make a tool? What does it say in Genesis? I, I'm yeah, he was the like he was the fashioner of, of metal tools. Yeah, it's it's just it's a it's his name and then a small blurb about what he did. He was the first one who forged those tools. So right, fair enough. Yeah. Hey, yep. I think I think the text there in Genesis somewhere four or five or whatever talks about the tools he made and then it says he was not a tool but he made tools uh he was not a tool <laughs> but he made tools interesting i'm, st- I'm still chewing on that one okay <laughs> believe that was meant to be a joke a real really good one ryan <laughs> i was gonna make the joke that the tool who answered this question knew it. <laughs> right. i guess that's what makes me more irked about this more than anything than tublicane but <laughs> all right well Guys, our, our our favorite our favorite buddy got the first one right, so you guys got to be on your game here. All right, here we go again. Your name is your buzzer. Can can I just correct Don? I think he's calling him two blockane, and it's two bullcane. Al. Okay, thank you for that clarification. <laughs> yeah, because I'm sure we all know how to pronounce uh, ancient names. So, all right, are you guys ready for uh, second part of the trivia? Yes. Do I have a chance at this one? Uh, yes. Here we go. Three, two, one. Ryan. Dang it. <laughs> go ahead. You want the answer? I, I, yeah. I, I was not 100% sure with Tubalcane, but I'm 100% sure with this one. It is well for him. That is correct. This is my favorite rendition of this hymn, uh, without a doubt. I think, I mean, outside of us in college, uh, as we were cleansing ourselves, that was also good versions. But, uh... <laughs> But I, hey, Ryan, put this down as a future topic. I think, uh, like, everyone's favorite hymn and why, and maybe who sung it, or maybe a version that you really like. Because this one is a uh, is a good one. Got it. And maybe, maybe it's a good song for us to just listen to after all the uh, debate and stuff, too. Yeah. I, I, like, I, don't, I don't care for this fake quartet. <laughs> wow. Fake quartet. <laughs> wow. Coming in heavy. Not a for him fan, Don? Tell no, us why. No, not really. Yeah. They didn't they didn't have a good base. I was just disappointed. That's that's a legitimate point. I did like that version though, because each of the four guys sang their own verse. 
So it's a nice progression through that hymn. The story behind that hymn is incredible too. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I remember this from a sermon that was delivered when I was young, where the story of how this hymn came to be was kind of the main point of the sermon. And then our uh, worship pastor sang the song right after it was explained to us. And I still remember it well, you know, 30 years later of how Horatio Spafford is the author of this hymn and his family or children what was it, a child, maybe two children were killed. And then he wrote this song about how, you know, no matter the trials that come into his life, he still believed in, you know, had faith in God and and it was well with his soul. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. He later got on a ship and went back to that site, that area. And when he was at that spot is where he penned that. Uh, His wife lived through the storm, but his children were were knocked overboard and and drowned in the sea. What a a powerful, (laughs) powerful words that is. Wow. Sorrows like sea billows roll. Wow. Good stuff. Great hymn. Great hymn to help us through these times. All right. We move on to the feel good story of the week. Ben, take it away. All right. Feel good story of the week. So I've got a local angle here from Southern Minnesota, a young 15 year old baseball player by the name of Nate Noonan. He's a freshman or will be a freshman at Byron High School in Southern Minnesota. He has just come back to playing this summer from a 14 month battle with leukemia. And the part one of the I mean, it's it's amazing that he you know made it through the challenges of that and is back to playing baseball. That that feels good by itself. But what I really liked in the article that I found was that uh, he's quoted as saying, when he was first diagnosed, he said, I just know whatever happens, the Lord wants it to happen. God has a plan for me. The Lord will take care of everything. So there's really no reason to worry. You know, for that sort of wisdom, good Christian fundamental wisdom is really amazing from a you know 15-year-old kid uh, to be able to have that perspective and know that no matter what happens, God has a plan for him and there's a reason why he's allowing that trial in his life. And then, yeah, it just feels good that he can come back afterwards and be back out on the baseball diamond enjoying a game he, he loves and that God carried him through that trial in his life. So, you know, hoping all the best for Nate that he continues to be happy and healthy, but a, a pretty cool story that I found this week. Cool. Phenomenal. That's a great, uh, great story. Thanks for sharing, Ben. All righty. We are going to turn it over to Ryan for Fix Your Eyes. Thanks, Matt. And Matt, let me once again just say thank you for letting me have a chance this week in this week's trivia competition. I appreciate that. Now moving on to spiritual things. Let's uh, look at a, a text in scripture that's been near and dear to my heart for a while. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So COVID-19 has certainly disrupted our worlds unlike anything we have seen in our lifetimes. We, we certainly were jilted when 9-11 took place. But I don't know about you guys, this feels like a never-ending threat that we're facing. We don't see the end in sight and uh, certainly can take our minds to crazy places, at least it has for me. And having an analytical mind where I like to think and get, get deep into things, 
Uh, it's easy for me to let my mind think through different scenarios uh, and find curiosity in, in the latest updates. What, what's happening here with this? What's the therapeutic that's going to work? When's the vaccine going to come out? And all of this information can either bring hope, but many times it's just dismay. We realize just how fleeting life is. And really, in reality, the virus, it's an earthly matter. And Isaiah writes, and he gives us the ideal focus for where our minds should be, and that is the Lord. In verse 4, he talks about the security of that hope, which is eternal and will not be moved. Echoing Isaiah, Paul in Colossians 3.2 recognizes the fact that it is easy for those of us who live in this flesh to lock into what we are seeing here on this earth. Easy to do. But he also directs us upward. He says, set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. So if you're like me in these days and you feel like your mind is a pinata getting thrashed to and fro with all the news and the concerns and chaos that, that we are surrounded by, I just encourage you to stay your mind on the everlasting rock who does not shift, uh, who loves us, secures us, and guides us in these days of uncertainty. And I found that when I do that, I'm in a much better place. And so I, I would encourage all of us uh, to do that, reflecting on Isaiah 26 and Colossians 3. That's fantastic. Episode 5, 6 in the mix. That's a wrap, gentlemen. 